Philippians 4, 4, and you probably know this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice, right? All right, well, here's what I want to do, okay? Because I know you guys have been sitting there for a long time, and so have they, and I don't want them to go to sleep, okay? So here's what I want to do. I'm going to, I'm going to um, share three things today that we should be rejoicing about. And at the end of each one of the three, I'm going to say rejoice, and here's what we're going to do. Because let me, let me read this from Psalm 40, uh, what is it, 47.1. Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with loud singing. <laughs> with lo- actually loud songs of joy or loud singing of joy. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand up, everybody. I'm going to teach you how to do this real quick. And we're going to actually obey something the Bible says right on the spot. All right, so we're going to clap. Let's do that. And then we're going to shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, now you can be seated. All right, now we're going to do that three more times, okay? So just brace yourself and remember that order. Pretty easy. Um, And so, listen, joy is not an emotion. Happiness is an emotion, which is why it comes and goes, right? Some days you're happy, right? And other days you're not so happy. And we kind of gauge that. But joy, the scripture teaches us, is something that we receive. It is a gift from God. In fact, it is a fruit of being in the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit being in us. And this produces joy. And so it's not an emotion that is controlled by us. Instead, it is a gift of God. And it is also something that we do. So it's two things. It's a gift, yes, and man, this is the season of giving, right? Has anybody wrapped any presents? Do you see any presents wrapped under your tree? Maybe not yet, but it's coming, right? We're all expecting that. To wake up on Christmas morning and not have a gift would be a demise, wouldn't it? It'd be terrible. It is a gift, but it's also something we do, which is why Paul in Philippians can command us Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That do, and it's not stipulated on any sort of circumstance, right? He didn't say if you're feeling like it, rejoice. He didn't say if things are rosy in your life, rejoice. No, this candle, this rose-colored candle is meant to actually be the shepherd of all the other candles. It's actually called the shepherding candle of joy. And joy should shepherd our own emotions, shouldn't it? Hey, listen, I know some of us aren't very happy today. Some of us are in a bad place right now. Some of us might be depressed or anxious about life, about our circumstances. But here's what we can know know today is that Jesus, above all else, can bring joy to our heart. And that's not an emotion. It's something we receive from him today and it's something that we do. All right, so here's the three things. The Savior's birth, we should rejoice about that. The smelly shepherds, remember those guys? And then the old, old story. Now, with our Savior's birth, here's the simple way to put it. Jesus is the reason for the season. You want to say that with me? Jesus is the reason for the season. What holiday is this? Holiday comes from a word that means holy day. 
It's this holy night we've been singing about, right? And so this is about Jesus' birthday, even though the Son of God, the eternally begotten of the Father, does not have a birthday. His begottenness is eternal. So he already existed, and yet at a particular time, in fact, 2,021 years ago, he took on flesh from Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? You remember the creed. Conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, which is exactly what we've been singing about, right? This, this friend is good news. It's Jesus' birthday and we celebrate his birthday, yes, but if we just celebrate his birthday without him being born in us, we miss the whole point. Now Lucy had a interpretive dance that she gave to us and offered as an act of worship that brought me to tears in fact because we are to be like Mary the angel comes to Mary and says this is going to happen to you and it's actually a a thing of permission and she says be it unto me your servant she could have refused refused God Almighty, the Holy Spirit of God, who was going to conceive in her the Son of God in the flesh. But instead she said, be it unto me, thy servant. Do we have room in our heart for God like her? Are we willing to be open for Christ to be born in us? Because, friend, the scripture says this, you must be born again. Everyone is born of Adam and of that fallen line of humanity. We need not go into it. It's very apparent, even if you open up your news app today. But we must be born again. Born of what? Born of the Spirit of God. Born of Christ. He is the firstborn among many. And we're all invited to have Christ conceived in us, be it unto me, your servant. So, by the Spirit, let Jesus be born in you today. Rejoice! Let's do it. Take it into the story. I mean, there's a lot of important people mentioned in Luke's account, in fact. Some of the most important people in the world. In fact, uh, Caesar Augustus, you remember, his great what was it, ne- uh, an uncle, was Julius Caesar, where they even get the name Caesar from. And Caesar Augustus is the one who really makes Rome. He takes Rome from a republic to an empire. He's an important person, but not in the Bible. He's just another name. The shepherds, however. You remember the shepherds? What do shepherds do? Yeah, they watch over the flock by night. She, she remembers the Bible, see? Yeah, the flock being sheep. And so here they are, and all of a sudden, we're told, the glory of God shone round about them, which is just the past tense of shine. So the glory of God is shining. There's one angel, then there's a multitude, right, of angels. And the glory of God is surrounding these normal shepherds in the night. There was nothing up to this point special about that night. But they had no clue how special it was going to be. And so 
they are given a sign. The angels say this. Now, now you say, so the angel goes, hey, look, there's a sign in Bethlehem. I thought angels were sign enough, right? I mean, can you imagine that night, a dark night, and then one angel, then a multitude of heavenly hosts, and then they all go away after singing? Like, I think that's sign enough for me. But no, they say, look, there is a sign. Do you remember what the sign was? A babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That's the sign. Um, These swaddling cloths, because he didn't even have his own clothes, it wasn't like uh, when when we had all five of our children, Jessica had multiple outfits that could have fit fit them, right? Put in, what do you call those things? Onesie. Yes, a onesie. I remember this. No, he doesn't have a onesie. Instead, these are swaddling cloths and most people would have had them around for first aid but also they were used you remember at Jesus' end of his life and in people's end of their life at their burial literally here he is being laid in a trough in a stable and at the end of his life wrapped again and put in a tomb this is foreshadowing of what is to come this child this child yes brand new life here And yet, born to die. Born for us. Heaven come down. And so, these uh, shepherds see the sign. They make haste. Do you know what haste means? Anybody know what that means? Yeah, there you go. I like that. Yeah. It's like trying to get that Black Friday deal before that other person gets there, right? It's making haste. They don't wait around and say, oh, yeah, the sign, that's cool. Uh, we might go in the morning. No, they leave immediately and go see this thing that God had done. <laughs> they made haste to see. I wonder today if you have made haste to see Christ. The shepherds looked for the sign. Do we look for signs of God's grace in our life? Or do we just sort of move through life thinking that we do everything? We're the ones, by the way, who make the money, right? We're the ones who create the children. We're the ones who institute the family or government or pay our taxes, do these things. We're the ones who do all these things, right? God really doesn't have a part. That's just a... No. No, he has a central part. And he has given all of us give grace, grace, yeah, you baby. Um, her name is Grace, so <laughs> she looked up when I said that. Um, but grace is a gift, isn't it? Do you see God's grace in your life? Do you make haste to see his grace in his word, in the gathering of believers? We can only see by faith. And here's what the Bible says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You say, I don't really have a lot of faith. It probably means you're not in the word of God. If you're trusting in the things of this world, if you're trusting in your own mind, if you're the arbiter of all truth, allowing and disallowing things in your life that that you are king, friend, you're going to have a rude awakening at the end of all things. 
And I'm here to plead with you to say, see by faith. Be like these shepherds who make haste to see Christ. Rejoice! Hallelujah! Lastly, this old, old story. The Savior's birth, the smelly shepherds, and then this old, old story. This is an old story. But it's our family story. And have you ever noticed how family stories don't get old? Do you know what I'm talking about? We just had Thanksgiving and now we're about to have Christmas. And I can guarantee you the best stories that will be told are stories that have been told and retold and retold. They often involve humor, don't they? My kids inevitably, and when we get together, I'm, I'm often told to tell stories. My father is a storyteller as well. And we, and Justin, so we all tell certain stories. And although I can't tell you all our family stories because... It unfortunately embarrasses some people in the room. I won't mention names. I can always use my brother. (laughs) And one story that we tell over and over again, it never gets old, is going to the Grand Canyon. And when we go to the Grand Canyon, uh, my brother, we're hiking a very perilous trail. One slip and you are, are into oblivion. And he is standing there admiring this beautiful thing right beside a sign. Unlike the shepherds, a sign that shows a man doing this number with loose gravel and impending death. Uh, Obviously, people had died at this very spot, and he's standing right there. And, of course, my my father, I I say, Pop, uh, should he be standing there? Oh, my goodness, son. You know, he grabs him, pulls him away from imminent death. And it's a funny story. It's something we tell, but have you noticed how these stories don't get old? They're always funny. They always remind us of something, and so do God's signs in our life. We should tell this story and sing about it and then tell it again because it makes us laugh, because it identifies us as family. If you know that story about how we lost him almost at 10 or 11 then that means you're close to the family, doesn't it? We should tell the story to invite others into the family of God. Jesus' birth happens in the biggest empire of our history, which is the Roman Empire. It's not in some podunk place where you can't identify it. In other words, the Bible itself, God himself chose to come at just the right time in the Roman world under Caesar Augustus and Quirinius when all the world was being registered. This is not something mythical. This is not something we can't find in history. No, we can absolutely locate the person of Jesus Christ. So remove it from your mind that there's a question of historicity to this old, old story. This is not a fable. It is not a tale, T-A-L-E. It is truth. And it is a story worth telling because the true stories are the best stories. Jesus' birth marks the beginning of something new. It's the marriage of heaven and earth. God and man In one person, Jesus Christ. 
our Savior. Jesus' birth is worth telling, and that's something to rejoice about. <laughs> Hallelujah! Amen. And so this morning, I want to invite you with me to hear the story once more. As we've already read it, we've already sung it. And to hear it with new eyes, with eyes of faith, so that Christ can be born and we can leave out of here in a moment telling the old old story, a new and a fresh. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in still another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a house. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place he was born. He did none of the things one usually associates greatness with. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And while he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing. The only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, and all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on this earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life. Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior and our God. So rejoice. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And again I say, rejoice. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Praise you, Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.